I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, talking to you from Madrid. And shortly we'll hear from La Liga Lowdown regulars Roman de Arcair and Paco Pollitt as we discuss one of the most unique and one of the strangest weeks in the history of Spanish football. Of course, the coronavirus has hit Spain and hits it hard. And Spanish football has been affected as collateral damage. None of us are medical experts or epidemiologists and we're not going to try to be. All we're going to do in this podcast is try to describe how this virus has affected Spain and Spanish football so far and what it's been like living in Spain and working in Spanish football this past week. So without further ado, let's bring in Barcelona-based Roman de Arquer and Valencia-based Paco Pollitt. Roman, Paco, first of all, how are you both and how are things currently where you are? Roman, let's start with you in Catalonia where Catalan regional president Kim Torra has implemented some measures and where the restrictions of Spain's federal prime minister Pedro Sánchez are being implemented too. I'm good. Um, at home, of course, as uh, everyone might expect, and just trying to live through this quarantine, stay entertained, but at the moment healthy, thankfully, and hopefully all of you guys too. They've announced, Kim Torra on last Friday announced that they were going to do a closure or quarantine of, of, of all the, the region. But of course, he has limited jurisdiction. He couldn't really implement all uh, he wanted to. He depends a lot on the Spanish government. But then on Saturday night, Pedro Sanchez finally announced that uh, needed, well, let's say, quarantine here in Spain. Of course, it's not complete. There's still some uh, things people can do, like go to work, go to do their, their necessities, urgent ones, such as going to the supermarket, pharmacies, etc. But here in Catalonia, for example, they have announced that they want to regulate food distribution because the supermarket thing has been crazy. It's been collapsed. People first thing in the morning queuing to go in there. All of them packed together, you know, spreading the virus, I guess, because some of them could have it, which is very risky. So they're going to try to regulate that. And also they're closing public spaces like parks and gardens, etc. But I was looking outside the balcony and you can still see people walking around, maybe not as many as in the last few days, but there's still some which aren't really respecting this quarantine but we'll see how this develops in the next few days here in Catalonia. And Paco, what about in Valencia? In my case, um, you know, I have to talk about Fallas and also the Derby Valenciano, remember, it was supposed to be played. Um, it should have been taken this weekend and it didn't. But yeah, you know, in Valencia, Fallas is the main talking point as it's possibly the biggest blow 
for the city and overall the Valencian region. And I also want to sh give a shout out to Fiestas de la Magdalena. Everybody forgets about them. Um, they are the festivities which take place in Castellón, more or less during the same days. And, uh, you know, we learned on March 11th that both the Fias and Magdalena would be postponed for a few months. But this decision took place after we already had a handful of mascletas and public events and gatherings with thousands of people packed together in tight spaces and in the streets. So, um, yeah, maybe things uh, have gone a bit too late in this sense. Um, and regarding this, uh, Ewan and Roman, the first potential dates being thrown around to celebrate the fires uh, later this year are July 2020. But, you know, I think we should take it slowly and a day at a time. However, I have to say, you guys, that we still have monuments in the streets. And actually saw a few of them uh, being installed before getting at home and shutting the door closed. And now they remain in the street, uh, absolutely silent. Uh, no people visiting them. And we have the news that the local government have said that they are going to be able to burn down those monuments by surprise in an undisclosed date in order, you know, to avoid people getting close to watch the actual event. So... Pretty fun times, even though we've been uh, at home, every one of us, <laughs> it's been uh, a very interesting days indeed. <laughs> I can only imagine what Valencia looks like right now with all of those fires, statues just sitting in the streets. Let's stick with you, Paco, because the first time football and coronavirus really seemed to cross paths was with the Atalanta versus Valencia game at San Siro in Milan. Paco, can you tell us about the cases that developed as a result of that trip to Italy? Um, yes, that game against Atalanta was, you know, one of the first examples where all of this uh, coronavirus craze uh, began and psychosis, like we used to say here in Spain, uh, began. I actually can tell you firsthand because five of those first rare few cases are friends of mine. Um, and everything started with one of them traveling to Italy and he actually might have been one of the first people in Spain to catch the disease and after he came back he had contact with a few other individuals within the building of the radio station where as a matter of fact I used to work back in the day a couple of years ago and you know after a few hugs and handshakes well nothing could be done really because nobody had developed symptoms at that point and this happened around February 27th 10 days after that first leg game, last 16 game uh, was played. And not only journalists were infected, also quite a handful of Valencia fans who traveled to Italy came back and slowly showed symptoms of the disease. And most of them wonder exactly the same thing as I do and as everybody does. Why did the authorities actually allow that game to be played? To this point, we don't really know what were they thinking at that point. And for whatever reason, we had so many UEFA matches between Spanish and Italian teams, as well as Atalanta-Valencia. We had Napoli-Barcelona, Inter Milan-Hitafi and Roma-Sevilla. What happened with those other fixtures? Well, you know, I think the scheduling did a great disservice to Valencia, but um, also think that their board weren't quick enough to stand their ground and ask for that second leg game not to be played. Um, I had to hand it to Valencia's executives because they were one of the few 
first teams to take health matters seriously and establish, you know, that one meter distance between individuals, no handshakes, no PR and press conferences before and after the games. That was a very smart move. But not pleading football authorities to postpone the second leg of that round against Atalanta was, in my view, a huge mistake because it reduced quite a lot of the chances of Valencia playing at an empty stadium with no supporters to help them turn around the scoreboard. It was an already difficult mission, but playing behind closed doors made it impossible. And Atalanta also won that second game with a 3-4 score. As you said, even other teams such as Getafe had a much clearer vision of what to do and what to say. For example, their president, Getafe president, Angel Torres, was the first one to publicly acknowledge the state of things and say that Getafe were not going to travel to a risky area such as Italy, period. They were simply not going to board that plane. He insisted for several days and that kind of pressure alongside the worsening of this crisis made UEFA and football authorities to finally and ultimately freeze the competition hours later. Um, However, I'm pretty amazed that some of those Europa League games were ultimately played on March 12th, while most of them were postponed. For example, cities such as Frankfurt in Germany, Glasgow in Scotland, Athens in Greece, Orleans in Austria, all of them were the only places where we saw football in that date. And the other games were postponed. You know, Spanish teams, uh, Barca against Napoli, that second leg in the Champions League, uh, Getafe, who have to face Inter two times, Sevilla, whose doubles fixture against Roma was also postponed. So most of them uh, were helped in some way by the development of things. Although Valencia were very, very unlucky to be the first ones to play. It was between Tuesday, March 10th and Thursday, March 12th that it really affected La Liga. First, they announced that matches were to be behind closed doors on the Tuesday. And we even had Ibar versus Real Sofidad, a match which had already been postponed for other reasons, behind closed doors on Tuesday night. Let's listen to a clip just now of the surreal sounds of that match, where there were no fans and just the shouts of the players and the coaches. Here's what it sounds like when Ibar native Mikel Oyarzabal scores a penalty against his hometown club, his first ever goal scored in Iparua Stadium, with no fans. Then by Thursday they announced that they would postpone La Liga for an initial period of two weeks. Roman, what was the response from players, clubs, fans etc to these two decisions? Firstly to the closed doors decision and secondly to the postponement decision. Well in terms of being playing behind closed doors, I think uh, the fans were kind of opposed because of course there were those fans who considered that uh, football needs the atmosphere uh, you get in the stadiums, the, the support from all the people that go on a weekly basis. And of course, the players also agree with this. They, they feel the players, they want them to be there. Uh, it kind of helps them improve their performances, we could say. But then there are those other fans which consider that you can uh, watch a, t- a football match from home on TV. You can still enjoy the sport. It's still uh, good to sit down on your sofa, you know, and enjoy the game. But it has to be said, I mean, football isn't the same without the fans in the stadium, and that's just a fact. Um, But at the same time, I mean, I don't think they were aware at that point of how serious the virus was, because the debate was on whether this should be played or not be played. But I don't think they were considering enough, you know, that this coronavirus can really affect uh, the players as much as 
it can affect you or me. And the La Liga didn't actually um, take cards into this matter until they saw that some cases were affecting the world of sports. For example, um, Rugani from Juventus got the coronavirus uh, around the period where La Liga were still deciding whether to postpone or not. And then there was the case in the NBA where Rudy Goldberg, French player from Utah Jazz, also got the coronavirus and the organization immediately shut down the compet competition. So from there on, they finally realized that this is serious. The players are um, very vulnerable too. And so they decided to postpone the competition. And in terms of that decision, I don't think there were any doubts or, or controversies. It was the right thing. It had to happen. I mean, we saw how the players to play a game, even if it's behind closed doors and there's less risk without the fans, there's still uh, staff working in the stadium, staff from the club, uh, fans you might meet at the airport, people you might come in contact with other players etc etc so there was a risk there still is a risk and postponing was definitely what had to be done uh, to avoid any further consequences when it comes to players contracting the virus the case that really acted as a catalyst for la liga being postponed was actually that of a basketball player real madrid's trey tompkins got it and he had recently played with his team in milan honestly it's incredible just how many matches were scheduled by chance between Spanish and Italian teams at this precarious time. So Trey Tompkins tested positive and the fact that he shares facilities with Real Madrid football players at Valdebebas led to the postponement of La Liga on the Thursday. We've also learned this Sunday that Valencia centre-back Ezequiel Garay is the first La Liga player to be diagnosed with the coronavirus. Can you tell us a bit more about that Paco? Yes, we had a, a couple of uh, newsworthy items throughout uh, Sunday. For example, Garay is one of the first cases in, in Spain, also the first case of a La Liga confirmed player. Also in second division, segunda división, Jonatas, player from Elche, also is infected with the disease. And obviously this might have an effect on the rest of the cases that are going to uh, become newsworthy in the next couple of days. Because I believe that Garay isn't going to be the only player from Valencia squad. Uh, infected with this uh, virus. I also believe that many other teams and many other uh, players are going to be um, confirmed as, as also uh, carriers of the, the virus because, you know, most of them are constantly traveling uh, to and fro from one place to another. In Garay's case, he didn't travel to, to Milan and he got it anyway. So uh, who was the person, individual transmitting him the virus? I, I believe that in Valencia we're going to have a few cases uh, and I don't, I, I, I obviously believe that um, uh, delivering hypothesis is, is not the, the right course of action, but I think that uh, we should expect more cases to, to pop up in the next few days because that's the way it is and uh, we shouldn't uh, be afraid of it. We just should be responsible with the uh, things that the authorities have told us in the last couple of days, especially the way the players uh, even have behaved very responsibly. Uh, most of them being at home and, and, you know, delivering that kind of messages to all of the fans who are watching, not live on the stadiums, but, you know, through social media. Yes, this stay at home campaign has been a big thing and the players and clubs have been really active as part of this. Can you tell us some of the campaigns they've been taking part in over the past few days? 
Actually, quite a lot because you know football players gather possibly the biggest following in Spain, and they have acted consequently in order to help health authorities to expand that message and communicate those countermeasures against the virus. For example, you talked earlier about Real Madrid players being put into quarantine after uh, what happened uh, with uh, Trey Tompkins from the basketball first team. Uh, we've seen Leo Messi posting pictures with his children on Instagram. We've seen Sergio Ramos both training and enjoying leisure time with his family, Atletico players, Valencia players. Obviously, it didn't take long before our beloved Joaquin Sanchez began joking around with the kisses he exchanged with Ramos a few days ago as a potential source of infection. But he did add that eating quite a lot of jamón is the best antidote for the disease. Brilliant. By the way, it isn't, but you know, he has to be the joker till the last minute. And I think that overall, all of the professional players have been very, very responsible by staying at home, by keeping themselves fit, by training indoors and sharing quite a lot of content with football fans. Some of them showed training tips, other have delivered ways to keep kids entertained at home, and a few of them, like Courtois or Reguilon, and a few more, have even taken to Twitch, you know, that social media platform, to play video games online. So I think all of them are doing a great service to society in the last couple of weeks. So the question now is, how does the 2019-20 season finish? Or does the 2019-20 season finish? What do you both think will happen next? At this point, it's just completely unpredictable because it really depends on the evolution and development of this coronavirus. So until we don't have more information until when uh, this is going to go on, I think whatever decision uh, La Liga or, or the Spanish FA make at this point could be just uh, changed at any moment. So it's still too, too soon. But uh, it has been said that La Liga wants to finish the competition no matter what. So they're going to do whatever it takes to get the 38 match days done. I don't know if they'll have time, but they're going to uh, try their best but also there are I mean they have to consider other options in case they're they don't have any any time as I said before and they've said that the possibility would be obviously finishing and on match day 27 which was the last one played um, with or without relegations that would have to be decided and with Barca winning in this case um, the competition then there's also the possibility of finishing on match day 19 which would be half the season where all the teams have played against each other once and in that case Barca is also uh, would also be the champion and there's the other obviously possibility of simply cancelling the league completely and having no winners no relegations no nothing and starting from scratch the next season so it's going to be a very tough decision there's also more other options I haven't mentioned there's so much to think about and it's so complicated because you also have to uh, take into account European competitions also the Euro Cup which might not take place in the end this summer so there's so much to be decided but at this point I just think it's too complicated because we just don't know for how long uh, this virus is going to keep affecting people in Europe and around the world. So we'll have to see how that develops first. In my case, I agree with uh, Roman with most of his points, um, but I think that the season will, will finish, even though I have quite a few doubts about that Euro 2020 being ultimately held this summer. Um, you know, other potential possibilities, uh, a setback of one or two months, both in La Liga and in European competitions, could be solved by compressing games in the calendar in May and June. I think many of those ideas have been thrown around in the last couple of hours. In the Champions League, for example, they could play both quarterfinals and semifinals in a single leg. 
um, in a neutral uh, ground, and then the final could be pushed back to June or even July. Um, I don't know. I'm sure that the people in charge will find a better way to solve this than both Roman and, and, and myself, <laughs> but I definitely think that the competitions, at least the ones played in different countries and the European competitions, will finish at some point in the next few months. But I highly doubt that the Euro 2020 is going to be uh, held at least in the same way it was uh, at first designed when the calendar and the schedule was fixed. During this whole period, we've seen several videos on social media that are quite inspirational. First, we saw videos from Italy of people joining together to sing the national anthem from their balconies. There's no words to Spain's national anthem, so that's not quite going to be repeated here, especially not where you are, Roman. But we have been seeing a coming together of sorts as every night people are applauding the healthcare workers and all other workers who are still grafting for the good of everyone else. Let's have a listen to some of that. So guys, how do you expect people to react over the next couple of weeks? How do you expect Spaniards, Italians, Europeans and everyone else to cope with these next few weeks? Well, if I speak in, in terms of Spain, um, I see two scenarios. One is the one you were saying where people are clapping and supporting um, on social media. I've seen a lot of people insisting on staying at home and, and everyone seems quite united in terms of this. But then you go onto the news and you see some videos, of, as we were mentioning before, about on the supermarket. So I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so there's kind of a division. But uh, I want to think that the majority of the people are the ones which are, you know, clapping outside uh, the other night at home here. It was like really good to see so many um, citizens coming out and, and just supporting their own so hopefully we'll manage to be united and, and get through this together um, I can talk about my own experience and uh, you know I have a few family members who actually work in hospitals and are uh, involved with the healthcare system and they are giving their absolute 100% in the last few weeks and uh, in their case and in everyone's case the people who work at taking care of each other and taking care of citizens I think that those uh, clappings every uh, night at 10pm from everybody who goes out to their balconies and, and Show that kind of respect to their to their work. They should be backed up by other measures. I know that this show is focused on on football, but I think that also at some point politics have to come into the the fold. And I think that uh, government authorities should help those health workers in some way, other than just thanking them for what they are doing. And that economic measures have to be taken, and they need to be helped uh, in some measure. And uh, in on the other hand, I also saw at uh, in the same way as, as Roman did, those scenes in the supermarkets with people, you know, uh, filling those trolleys to the brim with desserts and, and, and puddings and, and arroz con leche and, you know, things that were absolutely crazy to, to watch. I'm not either even talking about that toilet paper uh, craze, madness, because I think that, well, that's, you know, irrational and that irrational behavior doesn't help anyone. So... I think that people should stay safe, they should stay at home in the same way that uh, sportsmen and athletes and football players and the authorities have told them to do so. And, you know, just try to be for the next week, 10 days, 15 days, 
trying to take it easy and do not do stupid things. It's really that simple. And if people behave, I think we will be out of this one um, sooner than ever, ever, everyone expects. Finally, guys, let's finish with a game, okay? Roman, Paco, I want you to each guess how many rolls of toilet paper the other one has. Let's see if you can get it right. <laughs> okay. I think Paco, Paco's a guy who surely stacks a lot of paper. I'm going to say oh. he has uh, around 16, two packs of, of toilet paper. Um, no... I actually, I actually have to, <laughs> I actually have to say that I wasn't that that uh, previsor, as we say in in Spanish. Um, I think that Roman is, uh, you know, um, has his uh, stuff on the in the right place, but he isn't greedy. So I think that you might have around eight, eight to ten. Maybe. Wow, <laughs> you got it. I have eight because we just a few days before all this quarantine, we bought one packet. So eight is correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I only have four, by the way. Only four. <laughs> so I might have to, you know, do some kind of raid in the next couple of days to... Yeah, yeah. To, Hurry up, Paco, because it's running out. To snatch a couple of them and, and bring it home. <laughs> what about you, Ewan? How many do you have? <laughs> well, I have eight as well, Roman, just like you. I think that's a good number, right? Yeah, I think it is. Well done. That's a sweet spot, maybe. That's the <laughs> sweet spot. Well, thanks to both of you for taking the time out of your very unbusy days staying at home. We'll see how everything develops over the next few weeks. And of course, when it comes to Spanish football, we'll be filling you in on all of it on our La Liga Lowdown Twitter account. That's all we have then for this special edition of La Liga Lowdown. Like we said at the top, we're not experts on this and we urge you to all stay safe by following the advice of the real experts and your authorities. We just wanted to offer a summary of what has been going on in Spain and my thanks go out to Roman de Arcare and to Paco Pollitt for doing so. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and I thank you all for tuning in. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 